The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. Welcome everyone, it's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. Thank you for being here tonight. We are excited to be talking about UFOs tonight. We'll be talking with Gerard Artson. Now, I'm going to say Gerard. It might be Gerard. But I know he's from Holland, and I know uh, German and Germanic languages, and that should be a hard G, so it should be Gerard. But we'll find out when we get him on. Um, he is an author, an educator, and a student of the ageless wisdom, and he asserts that the people behind the UFOs that we're seeing all over the world are a, on a spiritual mission to help this ailing planet and our ailing civilization. So we'll have that conversation with Gerard in just a little bit. I'm really, really anxious to uh, tell you who we've got coming up the next few nights because we have a week of great programs. Tomorrow night, Mark Kies will be with us. He's a parapsychologist and director of the Pennsylvania Paranormal Association. He's also been on television, a bunch of shows like Paranormal 911, I think Haunted Hospitals or a couple of those programs. He'll be with us uh, to talk about his criminal investigation background and how it helps him during his paranormal investigations. He'll be in the first hour of the show tomorrow night. And then in the second hour, Cindy Massey will be with us. Cindy is a dimension traveler as a result of a childhood near-death experience. She'll talk about her prophetic dreams and how we can evolve past our five senses. That's in the second hour of tomorrow night's program. Thursday night, we've got J.C. Nova returning to us. Now, Thursday's an interesting date because it happens to be the 50-year anniversary of the Sharon Tate murders by the Manson family. You remember those. You remember Charlie Manson. He died very recently in prison. He said that the song Helter Skelter by the Beatles had hidden messages in it that told him to actually go ahead and have his cult members murder Sharon Tate, who was pregnant at the time, and a couple of her friends that were living that were staying at the house with her. Now, Sharon Tate was uh, Roman Polanski's wife, Roman Polanski had just had uh, a great success with Rosemary's Baby, the film. And uh, they were at the, in the prime of their lives, and, and the Manson family broke into the home and murdered Sharon Tate and her friends. 50th anniversary of those murders. And we'll be talking with J.C. Nova, who's a psychic astrologer and a podcaster, and we'll chat about those murders uh, on Thursday night. And then looking ahead to Monday, because Friday will be a best of show. But Monday, this might be my person. I might geek out a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you ahead of time. Monday night, John Hook will be here. Now, John is a veteran broadcaster, television news anchor from the Phoenix area on a, a, a Fox network affiliate there. He um, has been fascinated by the murder of Bob Crane. Hopefully... When I say the name Bob Crane, everyone knows who I'm talking about. If you don't, then you didn't watch much television in the 70s and 80s, or even back to the 60s, because Bob Crane was the star of a television show called Hogan's Heroes. And in 1978, seven years after Hogan's Heroes stopped filming, uh, Bob Crane was brutally murdered in a, an apartment he was staying in in Scottsdale, Arizona. He was performing dinner theater there. And he was near the end of his month-long stay. And one morning, he was found bludgeoned to death in his bed. Blows to the head from what was later determined to be a video camera tripod. 
it was a gruesome scene, a gruesome murder. And the story that followed that murder was equally intriguing. It turned out Bob Crane was heavily involved in um, early videotaping of um, his romantic, we'll say, conquests throughout the span of uh, the mid-70s. And he, um, all that stuff was found in his apartment, and uh, that became stuff of legend. But his murder has never, no one has ever been convicted of it. Police and investigators believe they know who did it. They actually put the man on trial, I think about 14 years after the murder, and he was acquitted because there just wasn't enough evidence, despite the fact that investigators and prosecutors are completely convinced they had the right person. But it's a really, really interesting story, and I'm anxious to talk to John Hook about it. He's written a book called Who Killed Bob Crane, and he actually did some um, new uh, investigation into the crime using new science and new technologies, and he may have some answers for us. So this is going to be a great program. That's Monday night's program. John Hook will be talking about the murder of Hogan's Heroes star Bob Crane and his book called Who Killed Bob Crane. So a lot of great stuff coming up. I'm really excited about these shows that we've got scheduled here. Um, Visit our social media pages and give them a like, uh, Beyond Reality Radio on Facebook and also J.V. Johnson on Facebook. And then YouTube as well. Go to uh, YouTube and search for J.V. Johnson. You'll find a great opportunity to listen to and watch back programs there. Also, we stream live. If you don't have a radio station in your area carrying the program yet, The YouTube stream is a great way to listen and watch what's going on. Plus, you can participate in the chat room, which is a lot of fun as well. Later in the show tonight, we'll be taking your phone calls. You'll want to write down the phone number. It's 844-687-7669. We'll take your calls, your questions, your comments for our guest. That'll be in the second hour of the show. Once again, tonight we'll be talking with Gerard Artson. He's an educator, an author, and a student of the Ageless Wisdom. He asserts that people behind the UFOs we're seeing are actually on a spiritual mission to help our ailing world. That's coming up on Beyond Reality Radio. Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save 40%, 50%, even 80% on great products. And all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money, but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find Noodle Shark on Facebook. Search it as The Noodle Shark. That's The Noodle Shark. Because you deserve to save too. Become a Shark and save. All right, welcome back to the show. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Once again, write down the phone number for the second part of the show. We'll take your phone calls at 844-687-7669. Tonight, our guest is Gerard Artson. He's an educator, an author, and a student of the Ageless Wisdom. And we're going to be talking about UFOs. His website is bgapublications.nl for the Netherlands. And he's got several books to his credit, including The Sea of Consciousness, here to help UFOs and the Space Brothers, and priorities for a planet in transition. Gerard, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. It's a pleasure to have you here. Good morning. Uh, yeah, good morning for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, um, I've got to, uh, I've got to ask you though, because I'm, I, uh, I had a little bet going here in the studio, because I assumed being from Holland, that the G in your name would be a hard G and be pr- pronounced Gerard. Uh, is that, is there any truth to that? Or was I completely off base? Uh, yes, well, but but the the hard G in Dutch uh, is pronounced 
as in uh, Scottish law. Oh, okay. So right. we would say Gerard, but I wouldn't, uh, I no. wouldn't um, recommend you try. Yeah, there, I'd, I'd end up spraining myself or something uh, if exactly. I tried that. Yeah. How, one other thing, uh, I actually, uh, my son just boarded a plane not too long ago, headed for um, for Amsterdam. Oh, great! Yeah. He's he's a yeah. student at uh, Leiden University. I think that's in Rotterdam. Actually, he's he's getting his master's there. So he's it's been not far from Rotterdam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. He's been living in in Holland for about six months now, and he really loves it there. So anyway, welcome to the program. It's really great to have you here. I need to find Thank out you so much. How did you develop an interest in this topic to begin with? When did UFOs become, forgive the pun, something that was on your radar? Um. Well, in my bio um, and, and uh, in my books, I, I always make it clear that my background is, is uh, apart from being an educator for my daytime job, uh, I'm a student. I, I study the, uh, the teachings of the ageless wisdom, uh, a body of teachings that have come to us renewed, reintroduced, so to speak, uh, from the late 19th century onward through Madame Blavatsky. Much maligned, uh, but uh, in just uh, no, not uh, not justified. Um, and her work was expanded on in the early 20th century, first half uh, by Alice Ann Bailey. And it's a massive body of work uh, about the origins of of uh, of humanity on this planet and the evolution of consciousness, uh, especially. And according to these teachings, uh, the evolution of consciousness doesn't stop with the uh, the appearance of the, the human kingdom on this planet, uh, but in, 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 in you know in contrast evolves uh, into higher kingdoms that are you know not visible to us or known about in in modern uh, times, but that were that were known about uh, at least the uh, the spiritual kingdom next up from the human kingdom uh, in olden times, and uh, the the yeah the beings uh, the people you might say because they used to be human beings like us but have evolved beyond the strictly human state uh, status um, are known as the masters of wisdom. And I, so I've been studying these uh, these teachings uh, since well my very late teens, early twenties, and um, I'm you know collecting books, reading books, studying books. And at one point, I, I had already also read uh, George Adamski's Inside the Spaceships, which I found fascinating. Uh, but then, at one point, uh, I came across his uh, what was then thought to be his first book, uh, Wisdom of the Masters of the Far East. And uh, there was a direct link between the Ageless Wisdom teachings of the Masters of Wisdom and, and uh, uh, well, a, uh, you know, a very um, well-known uh, contactee, George Adamski. Uh, and uh, that's when I... I started to explore the uh, the connection and to see if there was uh, there were more connections uh, than just uh, this one book by George Adamski. And uh, well, as I document in my books, uh, there's uh, there's a whole lot of um, uh, correspondences and similarities uh, in the teachings. And you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's not a surprise really because. The evolution of consciousness is not something that happened here just because on our planet just because. Um, life developed here, physical life, uh, but because life is a universal 
occurrence. Life is universal. It's fun fundamental to the universe. And so is consciousness. And, and everything that we see around us and that we accept as reality is merely a physical manifestation of clusters of vibration in a sea of consciousness. You said something during that answer that I want a little clarification on. Um, are we when you talk about the the evolution of um, our essence or our spirit uh, and, and our consciousness? Are you implying that the UFO phenomenon and these visitors are ourselves in an, in a uh, in an advanced state? Uh, no, no, um, they are. Uh, they could be seen as uh, as our brothers and sisters mm -hmm. um, from space, uh, but they are uh, distinctly from uh, from other planets. Okay, they they come from outside Earth. Okay. All right. So um, let's talk about the UFO phenomenon for just a bit. And then I want to get into more um, uh, about George Adamski. But the UFO phenomenon, um, from your perspective and from what you've studied and these connections you've made, uh, are actually extraterrestrial life forms, beings. In Adamski's case, he said they were very human-like, if not human. Um, but they are from other planets. Yes, indeed. Um uh, as I said, life is fundamental uh, mm -hmm. to the universe. It's uh, the universe space is a, is a living being, um, and uh, it's it's so interesting because you mentioned you already mentioned my uh, my latest book, The Sea of Consciousness. Yes. And um, in it, I um, I I take Adamski's very first book that I recently uh, recovered, The Invisible Ocean, um, and read it alongside a very recent book by Professor Irvin Laszlo, um, a Hungarian um, uh, scientist, an eminent scientist, we may say, um, who describes uh, the, um, you know, from from studying various disciplines of science, uh, not just astrophysics or not just biology or not just philosophy but he brings many different strands of scientific research together in his uh, latest books um, uh, intelligence of the cosmos uh, from uh, tw two years ago and and uh, one year earlier what is reality and he says what i what i just try to uh, to capture in a few sentences that uh, consciousness is is causal. Consciousness is the basis for what we see, and uh, um, you know. So life, uh, life is not limited to our planet, but also occurs on every other planet in the solar system. And in fact, l every planet is an expression of that life, a manifestation of life on on its own level. Just as a solar system is an, is a manifestation of a higher uh, higher form of life and uh, a human being is an ex manifestation of a, a lower form of life uh, and so on uh, so every planet has its own life forms has its own streams of life um, uh, and so even though we don't see life on other planets thus far um, there's a humanity, there's animal kingdoms, uh, et cetera, et cetera, on, on every planet in, in our solar system. And that's where the UFOs uh, originate from. We have uh, just about a minute here before we have to go to break. Uh, so what you're saying is that life exists on all planets in some form, although we may not be able to perceive it because it is in a different type of existence than what we can perceive? 
Yeah, in, in a different, uh, uh, a higher rate of vibration of the uh, right. uh, subatomic molecules, subatomic particles. So vibration is key to all of this. Yes, exactly. I want to ask you about George Adamski. Let's learn a little bit more about him. Tell us who he was and why he's so important. Um, George Adamski, one, at one time, was uh, a household name around the world. Um, he was um, an American, a Polish-born American. Uh, he came to the United States with his, uh, with his parents uh, when he was around two years old or four years old. Um, and uh, eventually he settled in the Los Angeles area around 1925. Uh, where he started teaching um, esoteric philosophy, because um, as it turns out, he um, he was taken to Tibet as a, as a teenager around the age of 13 for about four or five years. He trained there with uh, some of the masters of wisdom that I just spoke about. The masters, uh, just to clarify, um, have always been... Um, on earth, uh, those who ch choose to remain here to to inspire and guide humanity in its evolution. Uh, but since the destruction of Atlantis, they have lived uh, and kept themselves in uh, remote mountain and desert areas of the world, and hence all the legends that uh, that exist around them. Um, uh, George Adamski was, uh, I suppose, uh, for the for the. Um, uh, purpose of being trained for his future mission, uh, taken to a Tibet um, and with a certain guide to be trained there. And uh, in around 1928, he started teaching um, uh, what he called uh, about universal law, the uh, laws of life. And he established a group of eventually around 50 people in uh, Laguna Beach. Um, before, uh, in the 19, in the, yeah, in the 1940s, he started to write about life on other planets, life outside planet Earth. Uh, it began with a, a simple uh, brochure, pamphlet, uh, The Possibility of Life on Other Planets in 1946. Then came a book, Pioneers of Space, in 1949, in a very, very short print run, uh, which he presented as fiction, but in his uh, preface or his, his foreword, he set out all the scientific data and details of uh, of his day, 1949. Um, and my my own suspicion is that um, he used he he, he his uh, fiction was actually based on experiences, factual experiences that he had, which he was not supposed to present as as fact yet. And so some of these yeah, descriptions in Pioneers of Space later came back in uh, in his book Inside the Spaceships. He really became known when his account of a physical encounter in the California desert in November 1952 uh, was published in the book uh, Flying Sources Have Landed. And the main part of that book was written by an, uh, an Englishman, an Irishman, I should say, uh, Desmond Leslie, uh, who was a writer and also a student of the uh, wisdom teachings, and he had documented the uh, the history of uh, of flying saucer sightings, uh, spacecraft sightings, going all the way back to the times of the uh, the Vimanas in uh, Indian mythology and and the uh, uh, some of the uh, occurrences in the in the Old Testament. Um, 
And um, so he was actually the, f the first UFO historian, so to speak. And that's the main part of Flying Saucers Have Landed. And George Adamski's account of, an, uh, of his uh, experience of me meeting someone, an occupant of a flying saucer that had landed in the California desert, uh, was added to that uh, along with his uh, spectacular photos, very detailed photos of, uh, of spacecraft. Um, that put him in the limelight in... Within uh, a year, I believe, that book was translated in uh, seven other languages, unheard of. Um, and in, in all, as far as I've been, been able to establish, it was eventually translated in, in 13 languages. The, the American edition saw 12 reprints in, in a span of just uh, three years' time. So th that indicates how uh, how well-known he, he was and eventually in 1959 he went on a world speaking tour um, and of course uh, you know his uh, his popularity uh, also uh, invoked uh, a lot of uh, opposition uh, to his uh, to his statements and his uh, clarifications of his experiences he went on to write other books, uh, but eventually he returned to uh, to teaching philosophy more than uh, actually trying to inform the world, which I believe was his uh, actual mission of um, of the existence of life outside planet Earth and to help humanity uh, broaden our vision of uh, what life actually is and where we can find it. Was Adamski, a student of the Masters of Wisdom? Yes. Well, in his early life, and uh, I, I don't know because he never said or wrote about uh, later contacts with the Masters of Wisdom, but he was taken uh, as a teenager to Tibet to, to be trained there, to, to study there with uh, some of the Masters of Wisdom. And let's talk a little bit about the Masters of Wisdom so we get a better understanding of who they are. You said that after the sinking of Atlantis, they moved to the mountains, um, remote regions where I would assume they could be isolated and, and separate from the general population. Are they human? They are human plus. Uh, they, they have come, they've evolved from, you know, we're talking about the evolution of consciousness as you might say the meaning of life, the purpose of life, um, and um, the the process of evolution brings us from, say, the the mineral level to the human uh, state, and from the human state, we our evolution continues the evolution of our consciousness and once you've come to the state where you have full control over the your lower nature to begin with and the laws of, of physics um, you've entered the what is known the, as the spiritual kingdom um, and uh, you become a master of wisdom the the final stage of the human evolution on this planet is uh, characterized by five crises in consciousness, uh, otherwise known as initiations. And these are illustrated for our benefit in the life of Jesus in the New Testament. Um, you know, the, the birth in the cave and the baptism in the River Jordan and the transfiguration on the mount and the crucifixion and the uh, resurrection. These are symbolic for five initiations, um, which 
give us, give the individual um, the, um, yeah, they they uh, give us that that uh, that status or that stage in evolution of consciousness and and uh, solidify it, so to speak. Um, so we can't fall back. Uh, in fact, uh, after we've reached a certain stage. And at the fifth initiation, the resurrection initiation, which symbolizes the the you know having conquered our lower nature, the matter aspect of of, of our lives, um, we uh, we are known as uh, a master of wisdom. And and uh, as a master of wisdom, you 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 know higher parts of evolution open up uh, onto other planets or other other systems um but uh, a certain number of uh, masters always choose to uh, remain on on the planet to oversee and guide the uh, evolution and inspire the evolution of of the rest of us and you know all the great scientists and artists and and writers and philosophers all of their work is always a result of the inspiration of those individual disciples uh, um, by the masters um, in you know in as as a in their effort to uh, to encourage and stimulate our our evolution. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, George Adamski. You uh, said his first um, episode of being a contactee was was in 1952. Did I get that date correct? Yes, in November 1952. That's when he says uh, he had his first uh, physical contact. And I what, don't believe him, actually. <laughs> you, you don't believe that that was his first, or you don't believe he actually had it? No, I don't believe it was his first. But, I see. Uh, he was probably not allowed to speak about earlier uh, experiences. So you believe that was the first one that he was allowed to talk about? Yes, yes. Now, he claimed that the life forms that he met, the alien life he met, was human, um, essentially, and that it yes. came from within our solar system, specifically Venus and Mars. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, yes, he, his contacts, uh, as he said, were from mainly from uh, from Venus, Mars, and Saturn. Uh, and it's interesting to know that he was certainly not the only one to claim that uh, contacts that he had, and certainly not the only American contactee um, who claimed that their contacts were from planets within our own solar system. And I already mentioned that... Um, life is fundamental to the universe, to space. Um, and the reason why our rovers or our Hubble telescopes or, or whichever uh, instruments we use to uh, study um, uh, or try and find life on, on other planets uh, are not finding anything is because uh, Earth is unique in the sense that life here has precipitated onto the densest physical level. And uh, because we have been formed, our, our vehicles uh, being clusters of consciousness, uh, our being souls in incarnation, that's what we're talking about. The evolution of consciousness is a process that takes place through a process of uh, incarnating again and again and learning from experiences. Um, although sometimes it seems uh, that uh, we don't learn very much, but uh, that's just uh, outer appearances. Um, through a process of incarnation, our consciousness evolves, um, and on our planet, uh, it evolves through, uh, and don't ask me why that is, but it evolves through physical uh, forms of manifestation. 
And that seems to be quite unique. Uh, but that doesn't mean that life is limited uh, only to carbon-bound, carbon-based forms. Uh, apparently, on other planets, uh, it doesn't descend to this uh, level of density. It exists on other planets in higher planes of matter, subtle matter. In, in the wisdom teachings, it's known as etheric, uh, etheric planes of matter. And there are four of those above the solid and liquid and gaseous uh, planes of matter that we know and that we recognize and that we live in. So uh, on, the, on the other planets, uh, life hasn't precipitated to those uh, lowest three levels of physicality, but exists on the four highest uh, levels of physicality. Uh, and uh, that's where matter exists, uh, of which the subatomic particles vibrate at increasingly higher rates of uh, vibration, and they fall outside our range of vision. You know, just as there's uh, uh, a whole range of light that uh, that our eyes don't register and similar for sound that our ears don't register, um, there is also a, a spectrum of, of matter, apparently, that, uh, that our senses uh, do not uh, pick up and, and certainly our instruments do not pick up. Although, you know, there have been... Uh, scientists uh, who have hinted at uh, at those uh, those higher ranges of, of matter and and I think personally I think um, that uh, dark matter and dark energy for instance are our uh, elementary uh, embryonic uh, attempts at explaining um, those uh, uh, those levels of matter, because science itself says that 96% of the universe uh, cannot be found. If you know, they take their their calculations of the mass of the universe, and they say, well, this, uh, if this is correct, 96% of what we've calculated is missing from our observations. We cannot find it. So dark matter and dark energy have been proposed as explanations. But according to the wisdom teachings, uh, what we're li really looking for is uh, the etheric planes of matter. And that is where life on the other planets and the contacts of the contactees exist on the other planets. We really are, from a scientific perspective, only beginning to scratch the surface. I mean, we tend to think we know uh, a lot, but in fact, we um, only know a very little, and we're just beginning to start to understand the rest. Very true, very true, uh, because life is so rich in its expression, and we are so limited to, because of our physical uh, vehicles that we depend on to experience and uh, life and express this particular, this individual. Uh, the cluster of consciousness, this soul on, on the dense physical plane for our experiences, uh, that uh, most of it uh, eludes our, our experience and our, uh, you know, we don't notice it. And unfortunately, we have limited ourselves. But, uh, the, you know, dents are being made in this, in this concept of life. Uh, and, uh, and that is also why, you know, since the late 19th century, these wisdom teachings have been introduced to humanity again to help us go through the current uh, transition that we're going through. Uh, we have just about a minute left before our next break. Let's talk just a second here about your books, and then we'll, we'll get back to this topic on the other side of the break. But you have several books. Which of the books do you recommend uh, a new reader to your work start with? Um, to to get uh, uh, the the uh, uh, very clear idea of 
um, my understanding of the the mission of the contactees and what they were asked to do, what they were supposed to do, I think uh, best comes across in uh, priorities for a planet in transition. Um, because it, it is uh, so topical in the world today. The world is in crisis on, on every, uh, in, from every angle. And in priorities for a planet in transition, I bring together the information from a range of, uh, of uh, contactees' accounts uh, that point uh, out that you know, all these crises have been foretold by the space visitors in the 1950s and later on. Um, and they also point to a solution. So I would recommend people start there. First, I want to look at look ahead, let you know what we've got coming up on the show, because a lot of great stuff. Tomorrow night, we've got two guests, one in each hour. In the first hour, Mark Kies will be with us. He's a parapsychologist and director of the Pennsylvania Paranormal Association. And he is also a, uh, a frequent um, um investigator on shows like Paranormal 911 or Haunted Hospitals or some of these other programs that are appearing. He does a lot of stuff, and he'll be talking about how his criminal investigation background, because he's a former Pennsylvania state trooper, how it uh, helps him with his paranormal investigations. And then in the second hour of the show tomorrow night, Cindy Massey will be with us. She is a dimension traveler. She's able to do this as a result of a childhood near-death experience. She'll talk about her prophetic dreams and how we can all evolve past our five senses. And then Thursday night is the 50th anniversary of the murder of Sharon Tate and her friends in her home by the Manson family, Charles Manson's cult. J.C. Nova is a psychic astrologer and a podcaster, and she'll be with us to discuss that evening, what happened, how it happened, how gruesome it was. It was terrible. Um, It was inspired according to Manson, by the Beatles' song Helter Skelter, which the Beatles say was just a complete distortion of their work. Uh, But we'll be talking about that Thursday night. And then looking ahead to Monday, because Friday will be a best-of program. But Monday night is going to be what I think will be one of my favorite shows. John Hook will be with us to talk about his book called Who Killed Bob Crane?, It'll look at the 1978 unsolved murder. Maybe not unsolved. Maybe just they haven't been able to. Get, they weren't able to get a conviction of Hogan's Hero star Bob Crane. That's going to be a great show Monday night. I'm really personally excited about this one because I've always been a Hogan's Heroes fan and always thought the Bob Crane story was a fascinating one. So a lot of great stuff coming up. Where in Holland are you, Gerard? Are you there now? I'm here, I'm I'm in Holland. I'm here now. Yes, I'm in Amsterdam. Oh, nice. Okay, um, yeah, but Holland is very small, so it really doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> so you're what? Is it a five or six hour time difference? Uh, I believe six hours. It's six hours, uh, wow. quarter past seven in the morning here. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for getting up early as we continue to do our program late. <laughs> um, but we appreciate you being with us. Um, let's let's thank talk you. talk about your book again. Priorities for a planet in transition. That's the book that you recommended folks start with. What is the transition we're talking about here? Yes, the uh, t- transition is, and and uh, you know, if you if you're uh, if you're paying attention uh, to the world uh, as it's uh, as it looks today, uh, the transition uh, is so clear on all, on every side. We're going through a transition in in consciousness. Um, you know, b- b- I, I mentioned the individual crises of consciousness uh, before the uh, before the hour um, that form part of our incarnation. 
incarnational experience to reach a level of perfection on this planet uh, that uh, that lies waiting for us at the end of the path of return, the path of evolution. But as a as a as a species, uh, humanity is going through a crisis at this time as well. Um, because we are moving from, cosmically speaking, from uh, 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 the influence of uh, the the energies of one uh, uh, sign, one constellation in in space, the uh, the constellation of Pisces, that have defined and characterized our evolution and our institutions and our lives over the past two thousand years, and that was inaugurated uh, by uh, the mission of uh, Jesus in Palestine 2,000 years ago, uh, hence the many, many references to fish in the New Testament, um, into uh, the, a new age, uh, which will be characterized by the energy streaming to us from the constellation of uh, Aquarius. And the keynotes of Aquarius are synthesis and unity. Now, when we look at the world today, we see everything except unity and synthesis. We see more divisions and, and more um, hatred and, and discord, uh, it seems, than, uh, than uh, ever before in uh, times of so-called peace. Um, but I believe um, with uh, Benjamin Cram, who, um, who was the... F you know, uh, the latest exponent, as far as I'm concerned, of the Ageless Wisdom teachings that began with Madame Blavatsky in the 19th century, Alexander Bailey in the early 20th century, and from 1975 onward, Benjamin Cram, a Scottish-English uh, uh, speaker, uh, writer, um, futurologist, um, began to inform us uh, of this in the an impending, an imminent, momentous event in, in our history that would mark this transition into the new age. And according to Cram, uh, at the beginning of every new cosmic cycle, uh, the masters of wisdom, the, the higher the kingdom up from the next kingdom, up from the human kingdom, uh, sends one of themselves into the world uh, as a teacher for a new age, the world teacher. And uh, usually a world teacher works through a disciple in the world, like the Christ worked through Jesus 2000 years ago, and uh, the Buddha worked through the Prince Gautama before him, and uh, we've seen Krishna and, and Zoroaster, and all these well-known names of what are now known as prophets um, are really teachers uh, who came to remind humanity at a certain time in history, usually limited to a certain culture because of limited uh, communication, of course, at the time of remind us of the journey that we're on, the journey of evolution and the fact that we are one. Um, because if and it's really interesting, if you look at the at the heart of every religion, what it boils down to is that they all share the same notion that at the beginning of a new age, a teacher comes forward to teach humanity about the source and evolution of consciousness and you know, they use terms like enlightenment or uh, wholeness or uh, 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 grace and things like that. But they indicate the evolution of consciousness that needs to be expressed in right human relations. And the golden rule, treat 
uh, another, the, the way you would want to be treated, can be found at the heart of every religion as well. So we're on this verge of, or actually we're moving into a new age, but because the structures that we have uh, you know, are based on the, and were formed under the influence of the old energy of Pisces, they no longer suit our purposes. They, and our whole mindset still of the media and ourselves and, and our educational systems and economic systems um, is unfit for the new energies and, uh, and the inner realization in, in a large number of people that we are really one humanity and that we need to look after each other uh, in order to have a peaceful and sustainable future. Is there a divinity associated with all of this? Um, yes, because divinity is what what is our is is our source, and everything that we see, every bit of reality, is an expression of divinity. Uh, our souls, our bodies, our uh, you know everything is is a manifestation of divinity. It's really funny because I was just thinking during the break, your show is called Beyond Reality, but the latest scientific insights um, show that the there's the the what underlies our physical the the manifestation of of reality that we see what underlies it is more real than than the physical things that we can touch so and and, and you know that's that's not just teachings or opinions that's just based on the latest scientific insights into the nature of matter for instance there's nothing in the universe that's really solid that can be pinpointed that's the smallest part of uh, of matter um so reality is consciousness based and uh, divinity uh, we're all divine um and the evolution of uh, the process of evolution is um is the process whereby our divinity is expressed in in continuously higher and higher forms of manifestation in higher higher uh, vibrations so when <clears throat> when um the, the 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 first kingdom of nature that appeared on earth is very inert and has uh, you know very little means of expressing consciousness humanity has uh, uh, has evolved to the point where we are self-conscious but the mo- for the most part we've lost the sense of who we really are which is our divine nature and which is where uh, we're all connected we're all individual, but we're also all one. And uh, as individuals, we either contribute to that oneness by um, by expressing our talents and developing our talents and, and uh, putting them at the service of the common good um, and thereby enriching creation and the world around us. Or um, we keep to ourselves and, and compete and and, um, and uh, look after ourselves first and try to uh, um, get as rich as possible, uh, which is what is happening now, you know, because uh, our, our old systems were based on competition and greed rather than the notion that we are one human family. We share one planet and we've almost brought it to the point of complete 
an irreparable destruction. I believe there's still time to uh, to repair it, uh, but we've lost that sense of divinity, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, and it's coming to a head now because of this uh, this uh, crucial point in our history where we are making this transition. The energies from the constellation of uh, Aquarius are much. Are, are stronger now than the energies than they that from from Pisces, so we are responding to it, and you see it all around the world. Fortunately, where people are beginning to stand up and demand justice and and freedom, real freedom, not freedom of the markets that uh, allow, only allow you know the, the 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 people with the deepest pockets to. Uh, to distort the course of justice and the processes of dem democracy, but real freedom for, for everyone so that we can all um, express who we are and, and our individuality. And this, this uh, transition will be um, inaugurated, the new age will be inaugurated, according to Benjamin Krem, by another world teacher, um, and uh, according to Graham, this teacher, uh, who is also the head of the uh, the uh, uh, hierarchy of masters of wisdom, the spiritual hierarchy, um, has been in the world since 1977. Uh, in the in the modern world, in the physical world, he was in the he was on on the planet. He was he never left the planet, but he's come out of his uh, remote retreat and uh, took up his uh, center in uh, in London, according to Benjamin Krem, and has been working very hard nonstop to prepare humanity for his uh, for his return. Um, and um, that, you know, as he's he's made it known that as soon as our systems crumble and, and crash that as they are um, poised to now um, he will step forward and make himself known and he's here now but we don't know who he is right no we know his personal name his personal name is Maitreya but um, we do not know exactly what he looks Did like you say he was in he London uh, that's where he's uh, where he took up his uh, center in the modern world. But he actually he works all over the world. He travels constantly. He appears on television uh, incognito, not announced as Maitreya. Uh, he speaks about the problems that we're having and uh, the ways to solve them. And his approach is so that people he he appears not as the world teacher or as Maitreya or as the Christ or the future Buddha, um, so that people will respond to his message and will recognize that this is the way forward for humanity, not because uh, they recognize his authority in any sense, because but according he, to Benjamin Graham. Yeah, is, is he the um, returning um, Messiah, for lack of a better word, that is taught to us in, in most religions? Yes, exactly. Um, every religion, as I mentioned, uh, has this expectation of a, of a future teacher or a returning teacher, and the Jews are indeed still waiting for the Messiah. The Christians are waiting for, for the second coming. Right. Buddhists are waiting for the fifth Buddha, Maitreya, and the Hindus are waiting for, for Kalki Avatar, the tenth incarnation of Vishnu, and so on and so on. So he is indeed that individual, and uh, uh, you know, divinity is not divided divinity is one 
um, and um, in the past because the world was not connected um, and the evolution happened um, on, you know, in different parts of the world. Some parts it went slower, other parts it went faster. Um, a teacher would appear in a certain time for a certain uh, uh, people, nation, culture, uh, and would spread from there over the course of many hundreds or thousands of years. But because the world is really interconnected now through the modern information and communication technologies, transportation, um, the world teacher will be able to speak to the whole world. And Jordan, I want to ask about um, um, George Damsky again. After and during his contact with the um, aliens throughout the middle of the 20th century in the 1950s, and as you assert, maybe before that, um, he referred to these people who come here as space brothers. And in fact, other people, I think, use that terminology yes. too. So what is what is the significance of the that terminology, space brothers? Uh, well, um, it, it signifies that life is one. He recognizes... He recognizes and his contacts from space um, have uh, impressed on him and, and his fellow contactees, not just in the United States, but around the world, that the people from other planets are not competitors, but they see themselves as, as brothers and sisters. Um, and of course, you know, I'm often asked uh, whether there are no bad or evil aliens. And when when we're speaking about the evolution of consciousness, it, it indicates a process. So you start with uh, you know at the lower state, at the lower state, uh, and you evolve towards higher states. Uh, so there are also planets where humanity is not yet has not yet evolved to the point where where we have uh, uh, arrived. Uh, but there are there are several planets in our system where humanity has evolved to uh, well, what to us would seem a godlike status of perfection. And because this is such a crucial time in our history, the people who have been visiting us since the 1950s, in fact, since the um, the employment of of nuclear power. Uh, that was um, discovered in, uh, of course, in the race to uh, to uh, defeat the Nazis in the Second World War. Uh, since that time, uh, the uh, the space visitors have come here in unprecedented numbers um, to assist us to assist the masters of wisdom who are returning into the world. Uh, they, you know, in the times of Atlantis, the masters of wisdom were among us. Um, and known as the king philosophers before humanity as a species took a wrong turn. Um, apparently a wrong turn that the people on other planets, even on the lesser evolved planets in our system, have not taken. The, the you know, um, um, Responding to a sense of separativeness and seeing themselves as separate uh, from from each other, like uh, like we have, and uh, you know we are now faced with the consequences. But the masters of wisdom have always remained on our planet and are now returning into the world. Um, there are, uh, according to Benjamin Krem's information, uh, 14 masters in the world, uh, alongside uh, the world teacher himself. 
Uh, and of course, that has a massive effect on on the, the response, humanity's op openness and responsiveness to um, to the new energies, because the masters are able to step these cosmic energies down, and humanity is responding to them. And the increased um, visits by the space brothers and sisters since the 1950s, late 1940s, is precisely to assist in this process of, of transition. Um, How does the transition take place? Is this a transition of, of learning, or is it, is it uh, going to be something more spiritual or even more forceful? In, 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 it, it takes place in every respect uh, except forceful. Well, you know, if if anything is going to force us, it will be the circumstances that we create and that we allow to to uh, perpetuate. Um, the circumstances uh, that we live in at the moment uh, are that uh, there are 26 individuals in the world who own as much wealth as the poorest 50% of humanity. You know, and that is those are circumstances that are untenable, that are unsustainable, and the circumstances are bringing us to the point of climate change, where uh, this this planet is, uh, you know, is almost becoming uh, un uninhabitable uh, in the longer term. Um, the circumstances that, that we find ourselves in uh, show us that we. Um, are competing um, uh, rather than cooperating to survive. So the choice before us, uh, the world teacher will make that known in his in his um, worldwide address when that happens uh, as soon as uh, the systems have collapsed and people are looking up in despair, you know, where, where is help coming from, where we can, where can we find a solution? He will put before us that choice you know, going on along the same lines of of uh, of your the, the same the, the same lines of of old times, uh, greed and competition, uh, increasing conflict, chaos, and 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 eventual destruction, or uh, the way to the future, cooperate, recognize that we are one, that we have to cooperate to survive, and allow everyone to contribute their individual talents and, and capacities, capabilities, to the betterment of the world and, and, uh, and the human uh, condition, uh, and, and not allow uh, millions of people still to live in slavery, or worse, to die of hunger and poverty and poverty-related diseases. So if anything is going to force us, it will be the circumstances which will lead to the collapse of our current system. Okay, so so then the way this unfolds is the systems collapse, that which will be a global catastrophe, and then the master makes himself known and begins to help us fix this. Well, he he has been helping us by inspiring us, and and you know on levels which we would call spiritual levels mm -hmm. that we that we don't see and certainly don't see reported in the newspapers um, uh, by stepping down the spiritual energies that he that he and the and the masters of wisdom are the custodians of um, and inspiring people for instance the the brand commission uh, the international commission for uh, independent the independent commission for international uh, development issues in uh, 1980 published a report uh, in which a an international consensus of former politicians world leaders and high-ranking economists from the left to the right 
right of the political spectrum came to a consensus to propose a solution to close the the, the wealth gap in the world. Um, but right at that time, the opposing forces in the world saw that that would undermine their power that they hold through their control over the economic and financial institutions. Um, and they launched, uh, you know, a, a counter uh, attack, so to speak, um, on humanity by by offering greater freedom uh, through uh, freeing up the markets, doing away with regulations, you know, and all the rights that have been secured through the social movements from the 19th century onward, workers' rights, labor rights, uh, children's rights, uh, women's rights, civil rights, uh, which culminated in the, in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in 1948, they are now in, standing in the way of maximizing profits. So we see more and more of a gig economy where fewer and fewer people have any kind of security and thereby less freedom um all you know to um, to enhance the uh, the profit making capacity of just a few uh, few institutions or a few people so uh, this system can no longer um, you know continue uh, unless we we are you know we uh, insist on destroying ourselves when uh, when does we'll teach yeah when does Sorry. the when do you do we know or do you have a sense of when this will start to happen i mean i know in some cases it has started but when does the collapse take place and when do we um start to see and hear from um this master well um well is it 5 uh, years is it next world... is it next year is it 5 years is it 50 years well, any sense I personally expected it around 2015. You know, 2008 uh -huh. was uh, was a precursor, right. and right. Um, and actually, at the time, I was thinking, oh, it's happening now. Uh, but still, they managed to prop up the systems. Yeah. Well, we uh, had we had a guest on um, just I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, James Ricards, who was talking about exactly what you just said. 2008 was a precursor. And none of those problems were fixed. And in fact, um, all it was was they were delaying. Exacerbated. Yeah, exactly. And delaying the inevitable, um, which will be a total collapse. And he is talking yes. about that coming within a couple of years. Yes, well, um, I, I just a month ago or something, I I saw several reports of an increasing number, growing number of uh, of experts, you know, and then we're talking central bank directors of several central banks around the world, and uh, people like Christine Lagarde of the International Monetary Fund. They all these experts, financial experts, are now they are puzzled as to why the system hasn't collapsed yet, uh, but they're all expecting something apparently around uh, next year uh, beginning of next year and if you look at, at you know the developments at the moment um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if January 2020 is going to be the time yeah um, I mean it's a, it's a scary it's a scary thing we only have a few minutes left so I want to get another couple questions in here um, did George Adamski who really is the focus of a lot of your work um, did he have a divine connection or did he was he maybe even extraterrestrial in some way um, well there there's there are indicators uh, um, facts that uh, seem to indicate that he was in fact a soul who incarnated from Venus for this particular mission and this was confirmed by Benjamin Kramsmaster. Um, 
excuse me. Um, the, uh, the fact is that in the course of our evolutionary uh, journey uh, back to our source and uh, to give more and more perfected expression to our divinity, um, it, it happens quite regularly that um, a soul from one planet incarnates on another planet. And Benjamin Krems, master, has indicated uh, that for several historical figures that we know here on Earth, um, they were incarnated from, uh, from, um, from other planets. Um, and, and so uh, George Adamski apparently uh, uh, incarnated from, um, uh, from Venus. And for instance, William Shakespeare, according to Benjamin Krems Master, was a soul from Jupiter. Leonardo da Vinci, uh, one from uh, Mercury. Um, but if, if we can come back to the state of the world uh, just for a second, because I think that's, uh, that's so important at sure. this time. Um, you know, it's it's about giving expression. Most people will recognize inwardly that um, we are one and that we're connected. System science is is uh, uh, subscribing to that idea now and finding evidence in in a variety of scientific uh, disciplines that oneness is the natural state. Not uniform, uniformity, but unity is, the, is uh, what, what we should be working towards as an expression of uh, the reality of, of what we are, the reality of our uh, true being. Um, and, um, of course, the, uh, the collapse will be a disaster, but it will be necessary to help this, the part of, of, of uh, humanity uh, that takes you know, the, the things for granted, that uh, the circumstances that you and I live in, the most of the Western world, so to speak, Australia, Japan, um, parts of Asia now, um, the things that we take for granted are possible because we deny uh, the basic necessities of life to a lot of people through the way our international institutions have been set up, the uh, international trade works, etc. Uh, and uh, it would be very easy um, to make sure that everybody's basic needs are met and those are the priorities that, uh, that Maitreya, the world teacher, has set, you know, adequate food, adequate housing, um, healthcare and education for every man, woman and child on this planet. That was advocated by the Brandt Commission in their 1980 report. Um, it is the priorities that uh, um, that uh, Maitreya has, uh, has uh, set for humanity. It's uh, it's embodied in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, if you look at Article 25. So we are very well aware of what needs to happen, and it won't happen until and unless we are faced with reality and brought back to our senses. We are so caught up now in the race towards wealth and fame and more, more money and security for an increasing number of people because all, more and more securities are being taken away because you know they stand in the way of profits, as I said. Um, so we need to be brought back to our senses, and that's what the collapse will do. And it's not going to be the end of life. It's not going to be the end of the world, but it's going to be the end of the old age and the end of the life of privileges um, that we take for granted and that we should extend uh, to uh, to all of our brothers and sisters around the planet.
and that is what Montreya's message will basically be. And he, and on the the day that he will make his declaration, he will give this this unbelievable experience of of interconnectedness through the, an outflow, outpouring of the energy of love of which he is the embodiment on this planet. And it will be, he said, as if I embrace each individually. Um, while he telepathically conveys his message. And that's going to be interesting because we will see his face on television, according to Benjamin Krem, but his lips won't move as we hear his words inwardly in our, in our brains, in our own language. So mm. that way we will know that this man is Maitreya, right. the world teacher for the new age. Right. Gerard, we're out of time. Where can people get a hold of your books to learn more about this? My books are available on um, on Amazon and every other uh, major um, online vendor all over the world. They're available in various languages. Um, they can also look at uh, share-international.org for additional information uh, coming from from Benjamin Krem. Uh, and and uh, Share International is the magazine that uh, that we continue to to publish. Uh, not I'm I'm one of the volunteers in uh, you know in a worldwide group of volunteers involved in in that in, in disseminating Benjamin Graham's information. Um, and his books are also available online uh, and and mine as well. Great, thank you so much for being here tonight and spending the time with us. Thank you so much for having me. All right, once again, Gerard Artson. And you can check out his website, bgapublications.nl for the Netherlands. Tomorrow night, we've got two guests, one in each hour of the program. We'll start with Mark Kies. He's a parapsychologist and director of the Pennsylvania Paranormal Association. We'll talk about his criminal investigation background and how he uses that in paranormal investigations. And then the second hour of the program, Cindy Massey will be with us. Cindy is a dimension traveler, been able to do that since a childhood near-death experience, and she'll talk about her prophetic dreams and how we can evolve past our five senses it's beyond reality radio we'll catch you tomorrow night beyond reality radio is hosted by jason hawes and jv johnson and produced by alexandria johnson and slick eddie edwards for intercom radio beyond reality radio is distributed by westwood one radio networks stop by our facebook page and say hello follow the hosts on facebook as well for jason hawes follow at jason for jv johnson follow at jvj paranormal if you'd like to be a guest on beyond reality radio or you have a suggestion for a guest contact slick eddie edwards at slick eddie edwards at gmail.com be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.